So thankful for last Sunday's uh, message uh, on Jesus' power and authority. If you missed it, I'd encourage you to go online, watch it, listen to it when you get the chance. It's amazing, I've noticed this, it's amazing how God often prepares us on a Sunday morning for what we're about to face the next week. You ever been there before, right? How many of us maybe, even this week, we faced challenges, we faced obstacles where we knew, we just knew in our heart that we needed to use the power, the authority that Jesus has given us to speak into those areas. And hopefully you've experienced Jesus move in supernatural ways as you prayed in his name this week. In fact, you might even want to write down some of those things in your notes. If you don't have notes, I'd love to give you notes. Uh, We have notes in the back. I just have them. So raise your hands really high and we'll get them out to you. Don't worry, you don't get negative points if you didn't grab the notes. They're also in your bulletin. So yeah, again, just maybe write down some of the supernatural ways that as you prayed in the name of Jesus, the ways that he moved this week. So good to put down those remembrance stones of what Jesus is doing in our lives. But today, I just want you to hear this, it only gets better. It really does. You thought last Sunday was good with the power and authority of Jesus. It only gets better today. I'm excited you're here with us. Let's get this going. Luke chapter 4, verses 37 through 41. This is the word of God. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. So Jesus leaves the synagogue. He goes home to the, uh, goes over to the home of Simon. Anyone know there's a more familiar name we call Simon? Peter, absolutely. Uh, Simon, uh, his mother-in-law, was suffering. She had a high fever. And so they asked Jesus, can you help uh, this lady? And so he bends over, he rebukes the fever, and it leaves her. She gets up at once and begins to wait on them. Verse 40, at sunset, so it's been a pretty long day by now, at sunset, the people are now bringing Jesus all the various kinds of sickness, the people with the various kinds of sicknesses, and he is laying his hands on each person, and he healed them. Praise the Lord. Isn't Jesus good? He lays his hands on them, and he prays. For them, And as we covered last week uh, on demon possession, what an exciting topic that is. Verse 41, moreover, demons came out of many people, thank you Jesus, shouting, you are the son of God. But he rebuked them. <laughs> Don't you love Jesus? He rebuked them. He would not allow them to, to speak like we talked about last week. Remember when he said, be quiet, because they knew he was the Messiah. So again, last week we talked about these words of Jesus, the power of uh, his words, the authority of his words, that the Father in heaven, we even looked in the Bible, the Father in heaven had given him all power, all authority in heaven and on earth. When he spoke, people listened. You might want to write that down. When Jesus speaks, people listen. When that little girl, remember in, uh, I think it was Mark chapter 5, the little girl, she's dead. But he speaks and he tells her to get up. And immediately she gets up. That demon in Luke chapter 4. Immediately he tells that demon to get, be quiet, to go away. The demon leaves the man immediately. We even saw last week, and I, I kind of like this one, that Jesus gave his power and authority to us. We saw the story of Peter and the story of John. And there's that man begging at the temple gates in Acts chapter 3. And they tell him, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And immediately the man got up and began to walk. This is what Jesus does. This is what happens when Jesus and his power and his authority is in the room. When Jesus speaks, immediately things begin to happen. And people are witnessing these events. People are noticing. People are beginning to talk. In fact, in today's passage, right there at the beginning, verse 37, and the news about him, about Jesus, begins to spread throughout the surrounding 
area. Verse 38. Now Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Left the synagogue, went home to uh, Simon's house. Or went to the home of Simon. Now last week I showed you some pictures. You remember the pictures? Uh, What city was that that I showed you? Instead it was the hometown of Jesus. We kind of talked about that a little bit. Yeah, Capernaum or Capernaum. And, And I showed you a picture of where the synagogue would have been. I showed you a picture of Peter's house. If you remember that. And uh, Peter's house now, what is built on top of Peter's house? Yeah, absolutely. A Catholic church. Now, there's a lot of great things about visiting Israel. But one of the most helpful parts, for me at least, is that you get a chance to experience the scale of everything. The, the scale of everything. So you kind of get the, get that feel of where the different cities are in reference to each other. So you, you get a sense of what that journey would have looked like from Nazareth to Jerusalem to Bethlehem. You know, just the scale of everything. But you also get a chance of experiencing the scale of where different locations are in reference to each other. And this story today, this is a great example. When Jesus is leaving the synagogue, where does he go? He goes to the house of Simon, otherwise known as Peter. And, and when you're there, you're actually in Capernaum. You, you get a sense, you get to actually see with your own eyes what that would have looked like. So, so right now, especially if you've never been to Israel, I want you to do this with me. I, I want you to imagine the synagogue. And I want you to picture Peter's house. So maybe think about where you go to church at Life Spring. But then also I want you to think about where you live, the, the house or the apartment that you live in. And I want you to consider what that journey might look like for you. But now we're going to see what the journey would have looked like for them. I wish I had made this video like a really good pastor would have made this video himself. But instead, we're using a video of someone else who took a group to Israel. So let's go and watch it together. Likely the house of Simon Peter, 
is where Peter's mother-in-law was healed. This is where Jesus slept many, many nights. This was Jesus' state of operations. This is where they lowered the man down through the roof to be healed by Jesus. In fact, many times when you read in the book of Mark when it says the house, it's talking about this house right here in Capernaum known as the city of Jesus. Pretty close, huh? Right? I, 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 I wasn't thinking that. I, I thought they had to get on a donkey or something to get over to the house. But there it is, right, right there. So first of all, I, I want to read this. Uh, it says he goes to his mother-in-law's house. His mother's, mother-in-law's suffering with a high fever, and Jesus is asked to help. It's Simon's mother-in-law. His mother-in-law. What does that mean about Peter? No, not that he's in trouble. No. Um, what, does that, what does that mean? He, someone said it over here. He's married. He's married. Did you know Peter was married? I, mean, I don't want you to raise your hands on this one, but I'm telling you, I'm just telling you how it is. I bet you half of this room did not know that Peter was married. But isn't that great? Isn't it great that Peter's married? That you Praise the Lord. I just need this tattoo. You can be married and also be a disciple of Christ. Because we know that the Apostle Paul, right, he tells us that you can also be single. And you can be single and serve the Lord. But isn't it nice to know that you can be married and you can serve the Lord? It's not an either-or equation. You can be married to your spouse, but also devoted to the Lord. Apostle Paul actually talks about Peter and his wife. Did you know that? He writes about Peter and his wife in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. This is what Paul says about Peter and his wife. He says, don't we have the right to bring a believing wife with us as the other apostles and the Lord's brothers do and as Peter does? That's in there. That's in the Bible. So not only can you be devoted to the Lord and married at the same time, but like Peter, you can also bring your believing spouse along with you. You can serve the Lord together. I hope that encourages some of you today. Is that a little bit encouraging? I think it's a tad bit encouraging. We sometimes forget that a lot of these people were married. They, they had families. They had kids. They, they were able to follow hard after the Lord as husbands, as wives, as fathers, as mothers, as sons, as daughters. And I just want to encourage you as the Lord is leading you. Don't be afraid to bring your family along. As the Lord is leading you, don't be afraid to bring your family along. As Peter did with his wife, invite them on the journey, right? Invite them into what the Lord is doing in your life. And really, I mean, hopefully, whether you're single or married or whatever your situation looks like, just that I want you to hear this. You have permission to share the joy of what Christ is doing inside of you. Share that with your family. There should not be a disconnect with what the Lord is doing in us and how we share that with our family. So invite them along. In fact, in your notes, that was the first question that I have there. And and I want you to get really practical about this, strategic about this. And again, this is going to take some bravery. This is going to take some courage. If, If it was easy, all of us would already be doing this. And I have it down there, not because we're all pros at it, but maybe the Lord is stirring us up to get going on this. Who do I need to invite to join me on the journey? Right? Who do I need to invite to join me on the journey? So his mother-in-law, Peter's mother-in-law, she's suffering, high fever, asked Jesus to help her. Jesus bends over. He's so good. He's so full of compassion and love, but he's also so full of power and authority because he bends over, but then he rebukes the fever, and it leaves her. leaves her immediately, right? Because it says that she got up at once immediately and began to wait 
on them. Again, last week, all about Jesus' words, that he had power and authority. When Jesus spoke, people listened. When Jesus spoke, sickness listened. Even death listens to the voice of Jesus. And you see it again right here. She's suffering, and with all power and authority, he rebukes the fever. And when Jesus rebukes the fever, the fever has to leave. And again, it's such a radical deliverance from that fever that what does Peter's mother-in-law do? She gets up and she begins to serve them immediately. Something about Jesus and what he does, he's really good at immediately setting people free. All right, verse 40. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. So this has been a long day so far. We've actually spent several Sundays just talking about this day, and and I want to spend the rest of our time today, um, uh, this Sunday morning, on this verse. Because it's getting late, right? The sun is setting, and people with all kinds of sicknesses, all kinds of sicknesses are, are being brought to Jesus But then what does it say? I I, I bolded it for you there. He laid his hands on each one. Don't you love this about Jesus? I don't know about you, but in my life, I need a personal touch from Jesus. Right? I'm thankful for what he's doing in other people's lives, but I also know that I need his touch. I need him to lay his hands on me that I might be healed. In fact, again, while you're taking notes, maybe just write down an area or areas where you need a personal touch from the Lord. There's so many examples of this personal touch from Jesus in Scripture. I, I want to read through a, a few of them for you. There's this lady. She has a discharge of blood. Remember that? It was 12 years. So this is a long time. And, and Luke chapter 8 tells us that she spent uh, really all this money on physicians trying to get someone to heal her. No one could heal her. But when she touched the fringe of his garment, immediately the discharge of blood ceased. There's another story. This man has a skin condition. He has leprosy all over him. And, and, and would you even dare touch a man or a woman who had leprosy? You know, back then, you wouldn't touch them. You, you wouldn't want to be made unclean. And yet Jesus comes in. It says he reached out his hand. He touched the man. And he said, be clean. And there's that word immediately again. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. There's a blind man. And Jesus spits in his eyes. I don't know if I'd recommend that. Uh, it's kind of weird to me, but that's what he does. Spits in the guy's eyes in Mark chapter 8. He lays his hands on him. But then if you remember that story, the guy can then, it kind of helped, right? The guy can see people, but the people look like, anyone remember? Yeah, they look like trees. And so he's like, well, let's pray again. So Jesus lays his hands on him again. And this time his sight is fully restored and he sees everything clearly. There's a lady in Luke chapter 13. She's been crippled for 18 years. I think it's important that you hear that it was 18 years because it's not like she just woke up the day before with kind of a sore back and Jesus, hey, could you help my back because I woke up with a sore back. Church, how many, I don't do the math, but how many days? It's not just a day she's been crippled. It's 18 years, 18 times 365. That many days of her being crippled. The Bible says she was so crippled she couldn't stand up straight. She's bent down over crippled and Jesus takes his hands, puts his hands on her and immediately she straightens up and praises the Lord. People begin to realize as they're talking to one another, as they're witnessing Jesus, people are beginning to realize because we're not, you know, we're, we're smart, right? We realize, hey, we need a touch from Jesus. Our children need a touch from Jesus. Mark chapter 10, it says they're bringing the little children to him so that Jesus might lay his hands on them. Mark chapter 7, there's a man, he, he can't hear, he's having a difficulty speaking, and it says they brought him. 
to Jesus. And they implored Jesus. They begged Jesus. Jesus, if only you would what? Lay your hands on him. Again, I need a touch from Jesus. If only Jesus would lay his hand on me. And we know in our own lives as Christians, that's how often we pray, right? Lord Jesus, I know that's how I pray. Lord, I need a touch from you. You ever prayed that way? Right? Jesus, I need you. Like, I need you to come and, and to, to heal me, to lay your hands on me, that I might experience your power and authority in my life. Lord Jesus, would you come and touch me in a personal and powerful way? That's why I'm so thankful for this church community, why I love LifeSpring, because often that touch from the Lord You know where it comes from? It comes from another person in this community. It comes from another person, a brother or sister, who is praying for me. In fact, one of the things I really love about LifeSpring is that much of the prayer that goes on in this church, have you noticed that it's kind of spontaneous? That it's before service. It's after service. Yeah, you'll see it in the sanctuary, but you'll see it in the lobby. You'll you'll see it in the parking lot. Have you ever witnessed that before the person says goodbye and leaves? They're praying for one another. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, and this is really important, but when you see people praying for one another, often you will see someone put their hands on another person's shoulder. They'll put their hands on another person's shoulder. And as followers of Jesus, laying on of hands, putting hands on other people, it's very important. It's, It's powerful. It's a scriptural part of the faith. Now, in today's culture, you've got to be a little bit careful with this, right? Especially when you don't know the person. Not everyone feels comfortable uh, with that kind of touch. And so it's important to be respectful of people and respectful of their space. But I just say it this way. Uh, it's a safe bet. Just ask the person ahead of time. Uh, that's what I try to do is say, hey, is it all right if I put my hand on your shoulder so that I can pray for you? Well, why would we even do that? Right? Is it even necessary, Pastor Dan? Pastor Dan, could we just... Skip that. I mean, is it even necessary? Why bother? Absolutely, it's necessary. One, because Jesus models it for us. But then two, it is taught in the Bible again and again and again as something that the early believers did. In fact, it was a part of the faith from the very beginning. The Apostle Paul. You guys remember Paul? Uh, What was his name before he was Paul? Saul, absolutely. And so he's Saul, and he's persecuting the church. He has the zeal and his passion to persecute the church. So much so, he's riding to Damascus, and he's going to go with a list and persecute some Christians over in Damascus. But the Lord meets with Saul. You remember that? In a pretty impressive way, he blinds Saul. He says to Saul, 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 why do you persecute me? But then three days later, there's a man, a man named Ananias. And Ananias lays his hands on Paul, or on Saul, and his sight is restored. In fact, Acts chapter 19, or Acts chapter 9 says it this way, verse 17. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And what? Laying his hands on him. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul actually ends up being used in the same way. We have several accounts. In uh, Acts 28, you, you, you hear about him healing a man with his hands laid on this man. It says that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. I, I looked up what dysentery is. I'm not going to say it. You can look it up on your own. It's not good. <laughs> but Paul visits him and he prays. He puts his hands on him. And what happens to the man? He's healed. He's healed. And I just want to encourage you, this 
should be a normal part of the Christian life. You might want to write that down if you're taking notes. Just normal, underlined circles. This isn't just for special people at special times. It's a normal part of the Christian life. And I, and I hope it's a part that you're actually willing to receive in your own life. And so even now, as you're taking notes, just consider where you might need others to lay hands on you and to pray for you. Maybe it's a sore throat. Maybe it's a fever. Maybe it's a chronic illness. Maybe it's a headache. How do you need others to pray for you? And not only does healing happen through the laying on of hands, you you have written accounts throughout the Bible of people being baptized with the Holy Spirit with the laying on of hands. You guys have read that, right? Where the filling of the Spirit happens. You see that in Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 19. On top of that, the church, this is very important as well, they use the laying on of hands to start commissioning people. To commission people. You're going to see that at LifeSpring. If you've been here any amount of time, you've seen that. When missionaries go out, do you remember what we do? We invite the missionaries up, up on stage. and, And what's the next thing we do? We... Yeah, absolutely. Yes, we lay our hands on them. We pray for them. We send them out. Or if someone's beginning a ministry, again, we we bring them out. We lay our hands on them. We send them out. In Acts chapter 6, you have this uh, point where they have to, uh, the church actually chooses seven men uh, to serve the widows. And it says that uh, they, they set these seven men before the apostles and they were prayed for and they laid their hands on them. You guys remember Timothy? Timothy, who was Timothy's mentor? Who is his great? Say it, say it like that was right. Say it like you mean it. Paul, absolutely. You're right, Mom. Amen. Two points for you. Uh, <laughs> five because she's my mom. Amen. Wise man over here on the left. But <laughs> Timothy was commissioned into ministry, the Bible says, by the laying on of hands. Again, it's powerful. It's powerful. With the laying on of hands, you are opening yourself up to the powerful supernatural move of God in your life. And I want to ask you this question. When was the last time you allowed someone else to pray for you in this way? For me, it was just Friday afternoon. Braden Bergeron, he came into my office, came to my desk, just right over there, went to the back, laid his hands on my shoulder, prayed for me. This morning, while we're in a group prayer, we're all praying. Pastor Wayne lays his hands on my shoulder and prays for me. And we've got to remember, it's not like the person praying has this special power, right? We don't generate the power. The power, where does the power come from? The power is the power of, the power of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God. You pick any of those three, you're right. The power of God is spirit. And so you and I, the people that are praying, we just have the opportunity to use the power of God, to exercise that power in the name of Jesus. So I'll ask you a couple of questions. You know the answer. Just, just say it like you, you, you know it. Uh, so when you are healed, who heals you? Right. When you are baptized in the Spirit, who baptizes you? Yeah. When you are commissioned for service to go and to preach the good news of Jesus, who commissions you? Yeah, Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is commissioning you. Jesus is baptizing you. Jesus is healing you all in the power of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Life-changing, moving, radical things. Have you ever been prayed for in that way? Have you ever been touched in that way, church? Anybody? Yeah, right? Like, whoa, this is not the same as just going to a non-profit organization, right? This, isn't the, this is like meeting with the power of God. We were radically changed. Many of you know the story of my back. Um, two herniated discs. Uh, I, the herniated discs that happened playing racquetball. I, I used to be really competitive. The Lord has healed me of that. 
Really, I'm just a lot lazier now, so I don't do sports. But back then, uh, I, I hurt my back really bad. I mean, it was so bad, I had a series of injections. Uh, I did the, uh, if you've, you've probably, some of you have done this, the series of three injections that you do. And I did that twice, so for a total of six shots. And I had the at-home traction device. If you maybe have one of those, it, 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 it kind of elongates your spine uh, to help you out there. I had the physical therapy with the nerve flossing. You ever done the nerve flossing? That's interesting. They get you in that really weird position, and then they just do that to try to get the nerve loosened up, you know, getting it, um, mobility, you know, through the disc. I had that de- desk, you know, in my office in Spokane, so I could stand while I worked on trips from Spokane to Seattle. I would stop several times. Uh, some of you know what this is like, and you've had to do that. You, you stop at the rest stop. You, you stretch your back. I had the pillow for the lumbar support. I had the chiropractic. I, I spent all the money on the chiropractic. I did all of that. Then I went to this healing rooms conference at the Spokane Convention Center. And Bethel, like you guys heard of Bethel? Like they're, they're a big deal now, but this is before they were a big deal. This is like 07, 08, before they really took off. And so there was a lady there leading worship named Kim Walker, who's actually now uh, Jesus Culture. Maybe you've heard of them. And she was leading worship, and then there was this gentleman named Bill Johnson, who was the speaker. And Bill Johnson, uh, now a lot of people know who he is, uh, the pastor of Bethel. But he said, and, and there was thousands of people there, but he said, hey, I think someone has a degenerative disc issue here. And I didn't even really know what that was, but um, I raised my hand. So, like, yeah, sure, I got one of those. <laughs> and so, I, uh, he actually had me stand up. No, he didn't. No, he, he just had me raise my hand. No, I just raised my hand. And then uh, after we raised our hand, people started coming over. And then I stood up. And I had four people that came around me. And I just need you to hear this. The whole thing, like the whole thing was extremely uncomfortable for me. Because I grew up in a Presbyterian church. I love that church. It was a great church. 17 years in that Presbyterian church. And both of my parents, they spoke in tongues. They believed in the move of the Holy Spirit. But we didn't go to a lot of meetings where this kind of stuff happened. And the church I worked at, definitely, we we never kind of went into anything that was too crazy. And yet, here I am at this healing rooms conference. And you know who got me there? Uh, If you know Adam Henderson, it's his fault. He, he made me go. But here I am, and, and I saw stuff I'd never seen, like people marching around with flags. Again, like this is, I'm so uncomfortable, I'm sweating. Uh, they're blowing horns, right? Show, you guys, some of you are like, yeah, we need to bring the shofar in here. Yeah. And I'm just like, <laughs> again, I did not grow up in this. Just uncomfortable, like get me out of here uncomfortable. But even though I was uncomfortable, I also really, really loved Jesus. As much as I knew how, I loved the Lord. And this is so key, church. And I could sense that Jesus was there. Has that ever happened to you? Maybe even here at LifeSpring, right? Where you're sitting there and you're kind of uncomfortable and you're almost like, man, get me out of here. But then there's something that causes you to pause because you also sense that God is here, right? That God is wanting to do something in my life life and so that's how i felt so bill calls out the degenerative disc issue and i raised my hand because i felt like the lord was speaking i thought jesus was speaking i felt like jesus was doing something but then the people come over and this lady she comes over and she's just laughing she's like whoo, whoo, and i'm just like really intimidated but here's the deal like 
again, I just, ah. But those herniated discs, none of them knew I had herniated discs. I, didn't, I never even told them. And yet when those four people came over to me, as much as it kind of weirded me out, they were Jesus followers. They loved Jesus with their whole hearts. And one of those men, he took his two fingers and he placed them right where my back had caused me so much pain and misery and just discomfort. And the instant he touched my back, church, I want to use a word that we've used a lot. Immediately, I was healed. Praise the Lord. Immediately. Immediately. And they kept praying, which is fine, but I just knew it right away. I just knew it. I was healed. And afterwards, Bill said, hey, was anyone healed? And I raised my hand. I'm crying my eyes out, just bawling my eyes out. I knew I had been healed. And then he asked us to stand up and and just raise our hands. And and I raised both hands, just crying, you know, just before the Lord. And he gave us some really good wisdom. He said, hey, if the pain tries to come back, just begin to thank the Lord, begin to praise the Lord for your healing, speak against it in the name of Jesus. And so even there for a couple of days and that pain tried to come back, I would just pray. No, I know I was healed. I know I was touched by the Lord. And and I would just pray in the name of Jesus because I knew that Jesus, by the power of God, had radically touched me. So much so, by the way, the story, it gets even better. I went home that night. Again, I'm crying. I'm freaking out. I wake up Mary. Mary was in bed, and, and I'm just telling my wife, I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. And she's like, wow, like, well, now I want to go. And so then the next day, we go together, and, and we've been trying to get pregnant for about a year, and we go up to this older couple for prayer down front. And before we even said a word, church, the couple, they just smiled at us. And they said, the Lord wants you to relax. He's answering your prayer. You're going to have a baby. Before we ever said a word, they laid hands on us. They prayed for us. A year later, little Ava was born. Our miracle baby. Baby. Baba. Baba. Ava the baby. <laughs> miracle baby. With a prophetic call on her life. Where do you need the Lord to touch you with his supernatural power? And remember again, last week, Luke chapter 9, we, we read it. I want to read it again. Jesus called the 12 together. He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. It's a part of the life that God has called us to live where we pray for one another and where we see Jesus heal, deliver, set free in community, through community, through one another. And, and he's given us that power and authority. And, of course, we don't understand everything when it comes to healing. Right? There's questions to why some people are healed in the way that we thought they should be healed while others are not. And there's still a great mystery to God and a mystery to how he moves. But I also want to say this. There is no mystery about whether he does move. Right? We don't always get to understand how he moves, but he always moves. He always moves. When his people pray, things happen when we come together when we lay hands on one another in the name of jesus things happen so are you open to allowing your brothers and sisters to pray with you to come into agreement with you for healing or maybe it's something else maybe it is that baptism of the spirit maybe you desire that spirit to be unleashed within you to give you new gifts to set you on your course for the things god has for you Or whatever it is. Just how do you need others to pray for you? Again, as you're taking notes, and you're writing that down, there's a good chance that 
question number three. It's the same answer as the second question in your notes. Did that on purpose because I hope just that it would open our eyes a bit that the personal, this is so important for us, church, that the personal touch that we need from Jesus often comes through the people of faith that are around us. I don't know if we always get this, but this is so important. This is scriptural. I just gave you a dozen examples of this, that often the personal touch that you need from Jesus, it comes from the people of faith around you. So whatever it is for you, I don't want anyone to leave here today without receiving a touch from the Lord. But I know it can get really uncomfortable really fast. Again, I, I've been there. I understand that. As your pastor, I, as much as possible, I, I actually care about you. I hope you know that. I, I want this to be a safe place for us to receive that touch from the Lord. So this is what I'm going to ask. The, I'm going to ask the tech team to go ahead and put on some music at this time. And then if you're willing to have followers of Jesus, people of faith around you, to pray for you, to pray for that supernatural touch from Jesus, that he might lay his hands on you. If that's you, if if you know that you need that touch from the Lord, would you be bold enough in this moment to stand? If you know you need that personal touch from Jesus. And we're just going to rest here for a second. Allow you to stand. Amen. Anybody else? So we just stand before the Lord. Just like in the Bible, just like for the last 2,000 years, as brothers and sisters in Christ, there's times when we just present our lives before Jesus and we say, Jesus, I need a touch from you. And so then, people of faith, people who believe in Jesus, uh, here are some people who need that touch from the Lord. And so if you would, if we would in this time, we'll just keep the music going and I'm going to invite Pastor Randy to come on up as well. But in this time, would you also stand up and, and find someone, maybe as the Lord leads, find someone that you can put your hand on, on maybe on their shoulder. And, and again, they're, they're standing saying they need that touch from the Lord. So you can come around and, and place your hand on their shoulder and, and we're going to pray for one another. So really uh, look, make sure everyone has somebody that's around them. And by the way, if you're standing and no one's come around you yet, don't worry. Just continue to stand. We'll just stand here before the Lord. Just trust in the Lord and His timing. His timing. Amen. Amen. If you don't have anyone who's come around you, we have some more leaders that are available to pray. Would you raise your hand so I know where you are if no one's come yet? Okay. We have one in the back. We have, if one of the leaders could go back to Jeremy. In the very back. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.